enjoy communion together. And if you have your Bibles this morning, open them with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians, the third chapter. And um, this has uh, become, at least for the first part of 2018, um, our go-to text, our golden text. Um, We've gone different places. We were over in the book of Luke last Sunday night, um, springboarding off of what this passage is um, saying to us and um, it is a rather wordy passage it's 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 condensed there's a lot that's that is uh, spoken to um, in these words and so we're just going to take our time roll up our sleeves and and unpack these verses and allow the Lord to really speak uh, to our hearts before uh, we read I'm just going to read a couple of these verses before we do that this morning let me just help orient you to what's happening here. The Apostle Paul has come to a realization of, of what's been given to him. He's, he's come to an understanding of, of the privilege, of, of, the, uh, of you know, the opportunity, the potential that he now has in Christ Jesus. And that potential is, of course, for him to know the Lord, for him to know Christ Jesus the Lord. And he's... Uh, making in light of um, the new life that he's found in Christ, that he's received in Christ, he's making some new life resolutions. Now, as the new year rolls around, uh, the calendar changes, um, we have a tendency in light of that new year to make some new year's resolutions, resolutions for the new year. What we have here are resolutions that the Apostle Paul made in light of his new life. Amen. And as a born-again person myself, and I know that I'm talking perhaps to you know, most, if not everyone in this room who's been born again, um, it's this same, I think, resolve, this same determined purpose um, that each one of us um, needs to commit ourselves to. Let me, again, before I read the passage, are you still with me this morning? We've been trying to break this down and, and help you kind of understand this in, in stages. And our growth in the things of God, it, it, it occurs in stages. And the Bible even compares it to the, the, the natural stages of growth and development of, of a human being. And of course, you know, little Ryder was conceived and then um, he was born and now he's an infant and he'll grow into a child, and then from a child he'll pass into maturity or to adulthood. And so in the same way, we've been born of God's Spirit, and we are spiritual infants, spiritual babies, but we are maturing into those who are as spiritual children and hopefully on into those who are as um, you know, spiritually mature, spiritual adults. I want to give you another way or describe another set of stages, if you will, um, to our Christian walk or or our our growth in the things of God. And our relationship with God begins when um, we receive life from Him. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that He had come to give us life. But He said that to people who were already biologically or physically alive. And, of course, when we break the words down, we see that he's not saying, I've come to give you bios or biological life, but that he had come to give us zoe, which is speaking of the life and nature of God. And it's this life and nature that Jesus came to give us 
without end. In other words, he came to give us the life and nature of God unending and also in overflowing abundance. So again, if we could just follow this very carefully, we see then that our relationship, if you will, our connection with God begins when he gives us life. Then we sometimes refer to us having God in our lives. Are you with me? And that's where I think a lot, there's a lot of people who are born again, but, but God is not really necessarily involved so much in their life. Amen? And so one of the ways that we grow is by involving Him in more and more aspects of our lives. Um, please get God involved in your marriage. Please get God involved in your parenting. Please get God involved in your finances. Please get God involved in your careers. Amen. He wants to be a part of everything you will allow Him to be a part of. And He wants to, as Matthew was saying this morning, help you. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to promote you. He wants and desires to prosper you, just like any parent in this room. I mean, you know, as, again, we had such an example of it in front of us this morning. Um, Jackie and Brittany want what's best for little Ryder, for their children. They, want, they even want better for him than they've had. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? And that comes from uh, the, the heart of God. But listen to me, please, very carefully. Having God in your life is important, but that's not where full maturity is realized. Full maturity is realized when you go from having God in your life to Him becoming your life. To Him becoming your life. Do you understand there's a difference between having Him in your life and Him being your life? Come on now, I may not get much further than this this morning if I don't get somebody to nod at me or something, amen. There is a difference between Him giving you life, Him being in your life, and Him becoming your life. Amen. And what we're going after this year at Heritage, and I don't apologize for it, is Him becoming our life. Amen. Where the Bible says, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Where He is the focus of everything we are. He is the focus of everything we do. He is the motivation behind the time that we spend, the checks that we write, the words that we speak, and the thoughts in our hearts. Amen. Where He has become our life. Amen. Amen. Now listen, please, if you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then He came to live inside of you, and, and He said when He comes to live inside of you, He will be in you forever, and that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it unto the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So God's got you this morning. Amen. But I'm telling you, there is so much more available to us in Him, in Christ, than we have yet to experience or realize. All right, with that said, I want you to keep that in mind as we begin here in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7. Paul says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now, I feel compelled each time I read these two verses to make sure you understand what he means by gaining Christ. He's not talking about what someone has to do in order to receive the free gift of salvation. 
If there was something you had to pay or something you had to do as far as hoops to jump through or, or, or you know, some type of legalistic form of obedience in order to earn, then it wouldn't be a free gift. So when he says that I may gain Christ, he's referring to the difference between what is a legal relationship with him and a vital relationship with him. And we can understand this by looking at our institution or God's institution of marriage. In other words, someone can be legally married, but not necessarily uh, enjoying um, the relationship that the legal uh, contract, uh, the license, the recognition by the state affords. Are you understand what I'm saying here? So it's one thing to be legally married. It's another thing to have a vibrant, enjoyable relationship with your spouse. So you've got the legal aspect and the vital aspect. There are a lot of people who are legally sons and daughters of God. In other words, because they've called upon the name of the Lord, they've, they've entered into the covenant that Jesus made with God the Father on their behalf. They have now been born again and are legally, in every way, um, God's sons and daughters. Amen. Are you with me this morning? And the Bible says of that man or woman that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. But the least in the kingdom are greater than the greatest of those in the Old Testament. So to be born again, you're a, you're a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God in, in fellowship with Him in, in every way. Amen. But that's the legal part of it. And Paul recognized that legally he belonged to Christ and Christ belonged to him. But what he's interested in is the vital aspect of it, the experiential aspect of it, the enjoying uh, all the benefits, all the, the good things that now belong to him because of his union with Christ. That's what he's going after. That's what he's pursuing. He said it a little later in the chapter. We won't turn there, but he said that he was wanting to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of him. Things that were now in reach because of this legal connection that he has with God. Amen. Now, I want to read to you verse number 8, and I'll put it up on the screen. But I want to read verse number 8 to you from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Because it, it really, I think, zeroes in... Uh, on what Paul and not only is saying about his own life, but what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and me this morning. So verse number 8, he says this, Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ the Anointed One. Now, he uses some phrases... Or the Amplified, I guess, amplifies some phrases for us in the first part of verse number 8. Those phrases are these. The priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, 
and the supreme advantage. Wow. You know i got to read them again. Amen. The priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage. All of these phrases are referencing the supreme advantage, the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, and the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus my Lord. Christ Jesus your Lord. Amen. First of all, it's a priceless privilege. Before I can go first of all, let me say this, all right? As I study these verses more and more and more, both for my own life and to be able to speak to you from the Holy Spirit concerning them, it has become very clear to me that Paul's heart has been captured. It's become very clear to me that he has received a revelation from the Holy Spirit that does not come from human words or or from persuasive words, we should say it this way, of man's wisdom. His heart has been captured by his Savior. He has realized something about him that has transformed him in such a way that he will never be the same. And he recognizes the priceless privilege that has been made available to him to know Christ Jesus, his Lord. This phrase, the overwhelming preciousness, this is speaking of something that is overwhelmingly costly, overwhelmingly valuable, overwhelmingly expensive, and overwhelmingly rare. Overwhelmingly rare. We've said before that a true friend is a rare and precious gift. Come on now, is that right? A true friend is a rare and precious gift. We have lots of acquaintances, lots of people that that we know. If you're a Facebooker, you probably have 3,000 friends on Facebook. But a true friend is a rare and precious gift. And so what Paul is communicating here in this is that he's recognizing this priceless privilege. He's recognizing this overwhelming preciousness, this opportunity that he has. The phrase, the surpassing worth. Surpassing worth speaks of that which not only exceeds, but greatly exceeds the worth of everything else. I think it's where we are, or let me say it another way. I think it's where I am right now. But of these four phrases, supreme advantage is the one that I catch myself gravitating towards. For many years here at Heritage, we have preached and unashamedly so preached and proclaimed to anybody who would listen, Jesus will make your life better. 
He came to save you. He came to give you life. He came to give you life in overflowing abundance. He came to give you life on a whole other level. He came to make your life better. He has grace for everyone and even more grace for those who will humble themselves and those who will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt in due time. He will raise you to a greater condition of honor, a greater condition of dignity, and a greater condition of prosperity. My friend, please make no mistake about it. Knowing Jesus provides you and me with the supreme advantage in life. There are many different advantages in life. There are many different things that we look at as being advantageous in life. And no doubt you know people who seem to have more advantages in life than you do. You probably know people who have had less advantages in life than you have had. But please hear me this morning. The supreme advantage in life is available to whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord because the supreme advantage in life is knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the supreme advantage. We even say it this way in life, it's not what you know, but it's... It's who you know. And who you know is certainly advantageous in life. If you know the boss, if you know somebody that knows the boss, if you're looking for a job, or if you're looking for some insight, or this or that, some appointment, well, amen. It's not what you know many times, but it's who you know. But please hear me. The supreme advantage in life is who you know, and who you know being Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now listen to me, please. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to beat you over the head this morning. But what does it say about us when we get more excited about the supreme advantage than we do about the priceless privilege? What does it say about us when we get more excited about the supreme advantage than we do the overwhelming preciousness? What does it say about where we are in our relationship with God when we Clap about the supreme advantage, but wonder what we're going to eat for lunch when we're talking about the surpassing worth. Amen. He's calling us higher, church. He's calling us to a place beyond just Him making our lives better. He's calling us in to close, personal, intimate fellowship with Himself. Now, Paul is not just declaring some things here that he's experienced. Or, in other words, if you begin to unravel what he's saying here, he has provided a pattern for us to follow. He has laid out before us in these passages by the Holy Spirit what each one of us needs to do in order to experience this Jesus in a greater way, in order to enjoy Him and all the benefit that He brings to our lives in a deeper, more satisfying, more meaningful way. He's spelling out for you and me here what we also need to do if we desire to gain Christ in the way that He means gaining Christ here in this passage. Paul says it this way, Let's go back to the New King James Version, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. 
when he says things that were gain, he's saying things that he once considered to be advantages. Are you hearing me? See, he's realized now that the supreme advantage is knowing Jesus. He was involved in a, we might say it this way down in the south, Paul was involved in the good old boy network, also known as the Pharisees. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but they scratched one another's backs, if you understand what I mean. They took care of one another. They, they, uh, they had one another six o'clock. You understand what I mean? They, they were there for each other. His whole life had been fitting into that group, being accepted by that group, being respected by that group, being honored by that group, being supported by that group. Notice he said, what I once considered to be an advantage, I now count as a liability, as a loss, so that I can gain the supreme advantage. What I once considered to be valuable, what I once considered to be worthy of my efforts and pursuits, what I once considered to be worthy of large investments of my time and large investments of my money, what I once considered to be adding benefit to my life, what I once thought I couldn't live without. He says he counts all that as loss now, that he may gain Christ. This word count, it's a business term. It's, it's, it's an accounting term. It literally means that he, he did an audit. It literally means that he took inventory. It literally means that he sat down and he went through every part, every aspect, every facet, every detail of his life and took an inventory. And he examined everything in his life in light of one thing. Not is this thing good or bad, not is this thing right or wrong, not can I still do this and go to heaven, not even can I still do this and not harm my testimony. But Paul examined everything in his life in light of one thing. Does this draw me closer to Jesus or does it push me further away? And if it draws me closer to Him, it gets to stay. But if it pushes me further away from Him, I am counting it as less than manure, and it's out of here, baby. That was the way He took inventory. Does this add to or take away from my determined purpose to know Christ Jesus, my Lord? Now I'm way out of time before I'm way out of message. I feel like I have been assigned to ask you a question this morning. In other words, I, I've tried to wiggle out of this. You ever, you ever get asked to do something you try to find a way to wiggle out of, right? I'm, I'm trying to, but it, amen, here we are. And here's the question. I'm going to forewarn you, it's a heavy question. But let me also say that if you will take this question and get before the Lord and answer it, 
with a sincere heart. It will be the beginning of a year of breakthrough in your life and family like you've never known. Amen. Amen. This is a question I believe the Holy Spirit specifically asked me to ask you this morning. For what or to whom are you giving your life? For what or to whom are you giving your life? Now again, that's a heavy question. But it's the question Paul decided to truly answer once and for all. Not based upon what he thought of himself. Not based upon what he thought other people thought of him. Listen to me very carefully. This is how we like to answer this question. We like to answer this question without doing the math. We like to answer this question based upon what we've done lately. We like to answer this question based upon how we hope Father sees us and what we do. Now, I know that these things can be a lightning rod and I'm not trying to bring division. You just hear me, please. In 12-step recovery, they talk about making a fearless moral inventory. You say, that's man-made. No, it's not. It's God-ordained. It's God-ordained. Now this is a heavy question, but once again, Paul decided to truly answer it once and for all by examining every detail of his life. For what or to whom are you giving your life? Please hear me now. The record of your time is where you will find the answer. The way you spend your money is where you will find the answer. The amount of time you spend thinking about different things in your life, the amount of time you spend dwelling on the different aspects of your life, this is where you're going to truly find the answer to this question. For what or to whom are you giving your life? Because your time, your money, your thoughts, your effort, all of these tell a story that ultimately go answering this question. Now there's a very important and powerful principle here. Singers, musicians, if you'll come. The Apostle Paul came to this one understanding that in order to gain more of what was available to him in Christ, he was going to have to lose some things from his past. Listen to me now, please. Listen to me, please. This is important. This is important. There are those who have become, praise God, there's, there's lots of words that I don't need to use that are coming up in my mind right now. Just, Listen to me, please. People come to God based upon a promise of a new life, of Him changing our lives, of Him making this difference in our lives. And so people come and, you know, I actually heard somebody say many years ago, when's that abundant part kicking in, Pastor? 
In other words, they, they become um, you know, disenfranchised. They, 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 they become uh, you know, uh, unenamored. I don't know the right word to use here. In other words, they, it's, it's almost like they feel like they were persuaded to come into a relationship with Jesus under false pretense. And that the promise of change is somehow like a carrot in front of a donkey and that, and that that change never really happens. It never really takes place. You listen to me, please. You listen to me, please. Jesus and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit can absolutely, positively change everything about your life that needs to be changed. What so many people fail to realize or understand is that there is only so much changing He can do without your cooperation. There's only so much transforming He can do without you being a willing participant. There's only so many levels and so many dimensions of His life, of your life rather, that He can revolutionize without greater involvement, without greater participation, and without a greater willingness on your part to turn loose of the things that are preventing Him from changing greater things in your life. Paul recognized this. And it wasn't something that he went to with like all kinds of tears, like, oh, I can't believe i got to release this. No, he went to it, and it was like a sound business decision for him. Why invest in something that's failing when you can invest that same time, effort, energy, and money into something that's succeeding? But you can't do both. You only have so many hours in a day. You only have so much mental energy. You only have so many resources to invest. Paul's not talking about trading something bad for good. He's talking about trading something good for something better. Or something better for something that is the best. These were the choices that he was making. These were the lines that he was drawing. This was the purpose for the inventory that he was taking. And I'm telling you this morning, if you will take the same inventory, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to help you evaluate what you do, why you do it, who and what has your heart this morning, and are those things and are those people or that person, are they carrying you closer to Him or are they taking you further away from Him? These are the kinds of hard choices. These are the kinds of evaluations and considerations that we need to make. But again, I promise you this morning, not just because of what I'm saying, but because of what He has already said and what He has already done and what He's already prepared and what He's already put in place for you. If you will do this, He will begin to show you things that you had no idea even existed. I guess my mind's on Jackie this morning. He has lots of sayings that I, I quote him often. One that I hear Jackie say a lot, he says, you know what? He said, we don't know what we don't know. Right? We don't know what we don't know. But I'm telling you, there's lots of answers that you desperately need in the stack of stuff that you don't know yet. Amen. 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 Praise God. Those who are going to serve communion, if you would please come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's another hard question for you. What are you willing to lose in order to gain more of the life you were, I should say, created to live? What are you willing to lose in order to gain more 
of the life you were created to live. Hallelujah. This is what I know about him. He will fill up every square inch you give him. If you'll make a little more room for him, he'll fill it with his goodness and his glory. If you'll make a little more room after that, he'll fill that little bit more room. There are folks that preach a hard gospel. There are are folks who preach it's all or nothing. That has not been my personal experience, nor has it been. I don't even think it was Paul's experience, because remember, he said progressively, know and see more clearly. Amen. 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 Well, we'll finish this this evening or continue more on it this evening. This morning they're going to begin to serve you communion, but I want to pray first. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for the things that you're speaking to us. And Lord, I know in some ways this moment feels a bit rushed and it shouldn't feel that way, Father, because this is a crossroads for a lot, a lot of folks, Lord, in this room today. And I thank you, Lord, that you're helping us Take in what you're saying to us. Father, we're as close to you as we want to be. We're as close to you as our desires will allow us to be. There's no problem with your faithfulness, Father. It's our faithfulness. You're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. So clearly, Father, in order to be closer to you and walk in closeness with you, then it's going to require some greater faithfulness on our part. Help us understand that, Father. Help us see that. Father, I pray that as we partake of this holy communion this morning, Lord, that would just be a greater opportunity for us to examine where we've come from, where we are, and where you desire to take us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you give this morning... I'm sorry, not as you give, but as you receive the communion this morning, if you receive it first, if you receive it first, just hold your emblems until everyone is served and we'll partake together. And if you're a guest with us this morning, please, if you're a member of the body of Christ and you're a member of us, amen. So um, we encourage you also to partake of communion, even if this is not your home church or where you normally attend. They're going to lead us in some music and worship. If we would, let's just stay in a an attitude of prayer and worship as you're being served, then we'll partake together. <laughs>